The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning and welcome to Squawkbox. Here are your headlines today. Apple lifts the veil on its big mixed reality bet, the Vision Pro, the most anticipated new category product launch for the Cupertino giant since its first foray into wearables almost a decade ago. In the same way Mac introduced us to personal computing and iPhone introduced us to mobile computing, Apple Vision Pro will introduce us to spatial computing. The SEC takes aim at Binance, suing the world's biggest crypto exchange and its CEO for breaking securities rules. Our U.S. colleagues will speak to SEC Chairman Gary Gensler at 1500 CET. And we'll hear from the CTO of Tether live from Money 2020 at 9.30 CET. Elsewhere, crikey, Australia's central bank surprises with a quarter point rate hike as it warns the path to achieving a soft economic landing remains narrow. And ECB President Christine Lagarde makes a nod to moderating core inflation, but reaffirms it's still too early to call a peak in price growth. Indicators of underlying inflationary pressures remain high. And although some are showing signs of moderation, there is no clear evidence that underlying inflation has peaked. Morning, how are you? You went for it. I didn't know, you know, that was a, that was a favour <laughs> because I, I, to all my Australian friends, and I have vast numbers of you, and, and Brit Poms who live in Sydney as well, uh, good morning to you all, good afternoon to you all as well. Our New Zealand producer and our Canadian producer put the word crikey in for my Australia headline. I said, there's no way I'm going to read that as well. No way. No way I'm going to go with your lazy connotations you about what the, the, what the Australians say. But I thought, well, as a nod to you and to our team, I'll do it. Except, <laughs> but it is a bit of a crikey, isn't it? Well, yeah, and a nod to the amount of rate hikes that uh, Australia is oh, now with it as goodness. well. So the last one was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. This one wasn't a surprise. Wow. We're at 4.1% now. And, and I think, is it Lowe who's saying, look, we're going to go again. We're going to have more because inflation is not where we need it to be just yet. Never write off the anecdote. Remember, I came back from Christmas and said, look, this demand yes, story did. was just extraordinary what I saw in some backwater cafe in the middle of nowhere midweek when it you know, effectively was heaving with a queue out the door. It was like, this is ridiculous after the amount of interest rate hikes. This is the area you would expect to see cooling, sort of Absolutely. money that people don't need to spend right so now. So two points. One, inflation in Australia has passed its peak, but at 7% is still too high and will still be some time yet before it's back at target. That's what Philip Lowe is just saying as well. Second point, and I'm going to agree with you and disagree with you. I agree, don't write off the anecdote, but I don't call it anecdotes. I call it the real world. And, and I'm afraid too many people in this business look at their balance sheets. They'll look at their Excel. They'll look at their spreadsheets. They don't get their head out of the city and they don't go out in the real world and look at what's going on. So I don't call it anecdote. I call it the real world. Uh, and, and it's our job, I guess, to, to meld the two, the, the virtual reality, the augmented reality and the reality. How's that for a segue? Actually, I was going to come up with another segue. One of the takeaways from the Australian Central Bank today and the uh, 
interest rate decision was that the high end is still faring okay. That very high end property market, the high end demographics. Luckily, we've got a new high end product. Then, exactly. Yeah? <laughs> I mean, so this is exactly who we're targeting when it comes to Apple, which has announced its long awaited mixed reality headset. After years of speculation, the company's first major hardware launch is uh, now here in almost a decade. The Apple Vision Pro will cost three thousand five hundred dollars. That's right. Does that mean three and a half thousand pounds? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, not that old gag again. I, I love a pound. It does. <laughs> so three and a half thousand dollars, or potentially pounds, when it's released next year. The company touted the device's uses in gaming and working. Apple shares closed slightly lower, though, after the announcement, paring back earlier gains that led it to a record high. Apple CEO Tim Cook hailed the potential of the technology. This is a day that's been years in the making, one that I've really been looking forward to. I believe that augmented reality is a profound technology. Blending digital content with the real world can unlock experiences like nothing we've ever seen. So today, I'm excited to announce an entirely new AR platform with a revolutionary new product. So what exactly are people going to be watching when they pull on this headset? Well, Apple has announced a content partnership with Disney as part of the event, with CEO Bob Iger making a surprise appearance. Iger said he believes the technology will change the way we consume content. We're constantly in search of new ways to entertain, inform and inspire our fans by combining extraordinary creativity with groundbreaking technology to create truly remarkable experiences. And we believe Apple Vision Pro is a revolutionary platform that can make our vision a reality. The first time I tried Apple Vision Pro, the thing that struck me the most was how it will allow us to create deeply personal experiences that bring our fans closer to the characters they love and more deeply immersed in our stories. This platform will allow us to bring Disney to our fans in ways that were previously impossible. Shares in Unity rose sharply Monday after Apple said it has worked with the gaming software company to develop apps for the Vision Pro headset. The surge led to trading in the company being briefly halted as it experienced the biggest jump since its 2020 IPO. Dan Scarf joins us now, the CEO of X-Ray Glass. Dan, thank you very much for joining us. This was a big moment for Apple, very high-end device, a new category that it's exploring. One where already there are other competitors like Meta. What did you think of the launch? It was really monumental. We've been waiting for this device for a decade, and Apple has done what Apple always does, and it has redefined the market. It's interesting how Tim used the term augmented reality throughout this. Apple are positioning this very much as augmented reality, this new metaverse, the actual world surrounded by digital content. But in order to do that, they've had to pull off some incredible engineering feats. If you look at the announcement around some of the technology, um, you know, different uh, operating system also coming with this device, how much of this is just exploratory work for Apple for the future and how much is actually resting on the success of this particular device? I think they're defining a whole new market and actually what they've done with this announcement is to unlock a huge amount of content and a huge number of games and apps that are 
already in existence. They're built on top of all of the existing frameworks that are out there. So any game that works in a 3D way on a phone or an iPad today will work natively on the reality, uh, or sorry, on the, um, the vision operating system. You use the example of Unity. They're a great example. We use Unity at X-Ray Glass. So it's great for us. We know our software is just going to come straight across. But they've also talked about these enterprise use cases for this, this ability to have virtual desktops and virtual apps and traditional applications and immersive applications, spatial applications, all coming together. It's really so exciting. Um, very good morning to you. Look, I, I love the idea of it. I have no problem with that at all. But, but this is the product that's going to take time to evolve. And of course, they, they, they've made the move here and they've done it on top of a share price, which is absolutely stellar at the moment. So they're using that uh, as a, a bit of a backdrop to cushion uh, any concerns about the profitability. But the fact remains is this isn't a product for now. It's not even necessarily a product which is going to be uh, fully uh, encasing all those amazing technologies yet. It's going to be months, years ahead, isn't it, before we actually get the full benefit of this? We're on a, a 10 year journey to a, an all in one, all day wearable device. Uh, you know, something that looks, you know, more similar to something like this, perhaps, you know, a traditional set of glasses with a battery built into this. This is a set of uh, contemporary augmented reality glasses, optical pass through, so actual glass rather than the video cameras and screens that Apple has. Um, enclosed within the, the Vision Pro. And again, this is a journey that they're going on. This category of glass is still probably three to four years away. This is a, a middle device, if you like. This is a, a product of its time, um, you know, a virtual reality set of glasses that can also deliver augmented reality capabilities. And again, one of the magical things that they did was this ability to be able to see the wearer. That was always the biggest challenge with virtual reality. There's a piece of plastic between you and everybody else. And they've solved that to some extent now. Yeah, uh, loving the Blues Brothers impression, Dan, but we better move on. Uh, in terms of the pricing of this one, I was joking with Karen, it's probably going to be three and a half thousand pounds. It probably will be three and a half thousand pounds because that's what three and a half thousand dollars normally translates to in the Apple currency calculator. But is it too much for many people at this stage of the cycle? This is a premium product for trailblazers, at least to begin. Um, you know, for those that want that incredible experience, you know, I think they will buy it. You know, it was just uh, following, you know, a new $8,000, you know, industrial workstation that apparently people will be buying. So people will pay for these super luxe products. And it's got all of the specs to match that price and all of the features too. So I think there'll be a huge number of people that want access to this new world on this state-of-the-art device. Dan, for market watchers who are trying to get a play or get a read on how to play this story, if you look at all the various components in this device, and there are a lot of them, like what, uh, five sensors, an aluminium frame, 12 cameras, 4K display for each eye. If you think this is the beginning of a journey, should investors be considering some of the components that go into these mixed reality devices? Absolutely. Now, of course, Apple create their own silicon, but for everybody else, the entire rest of the world, they're all built on Qualcomm. So if I were to pick somebody that's actually going to be the biggest winner from this announcement, it's Qualcomm, because actually what 
this announcement does is shine a light on that whole industry. And it's not just Apple that are doing this. You look at organizations like Rokit and Xreal and TCL and uh, Vive. And there's so many outside of what Apple's doing. They're all powered by Qualcomm. So they're the secret force you know, behind a lot of this. Um, what's the Oppo going to do, Dan? Because as you say, this is a revolutionary product as well. And I'll take that on board from what you say. I am not a tech wizard myself. Are they going to take this apart and say, yeah, we can do this a lot cheaper? Or will the ecosystem just protect uh, Apple despite this extraordinary price from plagiarism or, or other versions of this? I mean, yeah, Apple have set the, the high water line for those that want the absolute top of the line experience. You know, for everybody else, there will be other devices from a whole range of different manufacturers, from the most basic, uh, you know, monocle, you know, that might clip onto your glasses, right the way through to the other end, the Vision Pro. There'll be a whole range of devices in between that, you know, people will choose how much they want to spend and how much capability they want. Thank you very much for joining us today, Dan Scarf, the CEO of X-Ray Glass. And I think there was an interesting point about Qualcomm being one of the big winners here. And don't forget, as we're talking about AI, it was NVIDIA that all the investors raced towards. And this particular story around mixed reality, Qualcomm being one of the players in that story. And Cristiano Amon was talking to us at a recent tech event, Web Summit, and Mobile World Congress, actually, and was just explaining their journey towards some sort of a glass a set, something you just wear permanently and you can access, you know, all this different information. You think about now, if we want to call, we want to look something up, we reach for the smartphone. Mm. He was saying that was in future. It should be some sort of eyewear. Yeah. That's just how it works. Well, yes, and, and again, I'm sure this is what it says it's going to be, but we've been here before, haven't we? We've, uh, was it Google Glass? Without the connectivity necessarily, if you think how much 5G has moved along and how all these interconnected devices can work, I think there were limitations before. But, um, I mean, if, if you look at the Apple device and just how you power it, you can separate, uh, separate out the battery pack, for instance. Right. I think you've seen an extension of some of the technology that means that a lightweight device a would pack? work. I thought we just chuck it on a charging mat. Well, exactly. I mean, you need to charge it somehow. Yeah. But I think in the past, you needed to actually have all this stuff embedded in the device. Uh, Hence think, the, the weight of some I, of these I think uh, the, elements. The thing here is, the long and the short is, when we move beyond gaming, and again, uh, Dan was talking a lot about the gaming application. When we move beyond gaming, and this is a part of... This office is everyday life, and having, I, mean, I didn't like the idea of him saying we wear it. We wear it all the time, though. I think that's kind of I don't know. Is that going to be great for your mental health? Is there a societal impact of that? Of everyone walking around with their goggles on and what have you? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I agree. It's fantastic, and I, I'm undoubtedly part of the future as well. I just think societally, if we're all walking around wearing these VRAR headsets, it's a bit sad. Isn't yeah, it? another digital detox, a uh, different tone to it. Take those glasses off, put them away, throw them in the drawer, for instance. Anyway, you can find out uh, more about Apple's new headset and all the other announcements from yesterday's launch at CNBC.com. Uh, and here's one for uh, Karen again. Crikey coming up on the show. The RBA says inflation has peaked but surprises the market with a 12th hike in 13 months we'll have the uh, reaction live from asia when we return listen to cnbc's beyond the valley the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe join me arjun karpal and me tom chitty every week as we bring you insights into the top stories unpack the latest trends and find out where the industry is headed now available on spotify apple music and google podcasts 
It was a cautious old day of trade yesterday as we kicked off the trading week. You could see uh, that fade coming through right across the market, not just the NVIDIA fade that we witnessed at the tail end of last week. And big question marks again over whether the FANG stocks have been pushed too far too fast, given that we're still potentially looking at rate increases in the United States. But it is that uncertain picture if we're skipping, we're hopping, are we still going up after that? Or we've got a Fed in pause mode before eventually cutting. A very split picture on markets and you can see the Dow pulling back six tenths of a percent near on 200 points 3m one of the weakest stocks stateside and if you look at the various different parts of the market uh, earlier optimism uh, in the trading session prior that the growth story was intact thanks to the jobs report but actually one of the weakest sectors in trade yesterday was industrials so we saw that sector sector of the market dropping seven tenths of a percent banks are also having somewhat of a bleak day down to the tune of more than two percent let's just take a look at what we've got at treasuries uh, this end of the market on bonds uh, the short end just off the four and a half percent mark on the two-year we're approached 3.7 at the longer end and to the dollar the trade on foreign exchange markets this morning we're 124.54 on sterling so we're trying to pick up about a tenth of a percent uh, above the 107 levels where the euro has climbed to recently and you can see even stronger this morning 107.28 up another tenth of a percent plus dollar weakening versus the safe haven japanese yen stronger versus yuan to the commodities complex, WTI, Brent Gold, uh, this is how we are shaping up. That uh, initial pop after the production cuts from the Saudis hasn't stuck. In fact, uh, we are pulling back in the morning session. 76.60 on Brent, just below a tad under 72 on the WTI trade. Gold, though, holding steady this morning, 19.62 on the trade. Asia markets, uh, no trade in South Korea today uh, out of action. But the big news in the region is really around the Australian uh, central bank. The RBA moving on interest rates again, a whopping 400 extra basis points that uh, some of the mortgage holders have seen this week. We've seen that the, uh, this year, I should say, another 12 hikes since May last year by numbers. Highest level in the cash rate in 11 years. So the RBA again moving to try and stamp out uh, extra demand in the economy. We've got a pullback on the stock market of near on 1%. The other major markets, it's flat for China. Again, this uh, uncertainty over the reopening theme, just how strong it has been. The Hong Kong market down three quarters of 1%, but Japanese stocks, look at that again, stretching high, and you can see approaching 32,500 points. The opening calls, just to round out the picture for you, European markets are seeing a little bit of weakness early on. We're looking uh, somewhat choppy on these core markets. We were down roughly half of a percent yesterday, first negative session in three. But this morning does look like we are watching just a choppy old start again, thanks to that handover from the state, Steve. Well, you say, oh, I know we've got choppy, do you think? Have you seen the VIX? You've seen the VIX? It's 14.7. Month to date, forget about the year. Down 18%. Yeah, there's no fear there yet. We're, we're sort of not really going anywhere fast, are we? Yeah, just next time someone tells me it's a fear index, I'll just tell them, yeah, it was 14.7 before the market moved. And then it was, oh, all of a sudden it's 25. What a surprise. Uh, traders are weighing the possibility of another rate hike after the ECB's June meeting after Christine Lagarde said it's too early to call a peak in core inflation. Sounds like Philip Lowe, doesn't it? Uh, in comments to the European Parliament on Monday, Lagarde drew attention to wage increases as well as firms exploiting imbalances in supply and demand as factors behind the stickiness. The latest available data suggests that indicators of underlying inflationary pressures remain high. And although some are showing signs of moderation, there is no clear evidence that underlying inflation has peaked.
Wage pressures have strengthened further as employees recoup some of the purchasing power they have lost as a result of high inflation. Moreover, in some sectors, firms have been able to increase their profits on the back of mismatches between supply and demand and the uncertainty created by high and volatile inflation. The Reserve Bank of Australia has surprised the market and hiked its cash rate by 25 basis points to 4.1%. That's the central bank's 12th hike in 13 months. And let's get out to JP for more on this. JP has been described as a, a surprise. Local press are calling it a shock. But given we've got the inflation rate still high single digits, it doesn't really seem like it should be a shock to anyone that the RBA is not done in terms of hiking rates. Yeah, Karen, and also to put it in context, it's the second time they've actually surprised markets because much like their May decision, many were expecting to leave rates unchanged then. And even then, they said that inflation remains very much entrenched. Much like the tagline of draws, too, just when you thought it was safe to get back into the water, well, guess what? Inflation is still swimming around, taking a bite out of the spending power and consumer confidence of many Australians. Um, just to highlight you know, those inflationary pressures, actually, you'll see here that inflation did come down to about 7% on average for the first quarter. In fact, it was actually in the on a, on a downtrend from December of last year. But in April, we actually saw a, an uptick actually supporting the view of the, of the Australian, uh, of the Reserve Bank of Australia, that inflationary pressures are back on the rise. And in April, they saw a 6.9% year-on-year rise in consumer prices down under, which then prompted them to hike rates in early May. And once again, helped to prompt them to hike rates once again by 25 basis points just uh, about an hour ago. Now, according to Australian Treasurer Jim Chalmers, he did want to clarify it's not the minimum wage rise that really contributed to wage uh, to inflationary pressures in Australia and not even the increased budget spending that ratted inflationary pressures. But they do say that it's hard to ascertain where it is, but inflationary expectations are entrenched and they have to bring that down, thus raising rates in Australia. As you saw a while ago, the ASX 200 was one of the big, uh, was one of the notable laggards. Uh, while everyone else in, the, in Asia was moving higher, the ASX 200, the uh, benchmark in Sydney fell by about 1% in today's session, much in contrast to the Australian dollar, which took a lot of strength from that surprise position from the RB. But we want to take a look at how some of the sectors in Australia reacted to this. Financials, banks in Australia, which used to really um, cheer for the rising interest rates that helped net interest margins. Well, this time around, they're saying it's actually crimping the demand for mortgages and thus led to a mortgage a war on mortgage rates to attract uh, customers and really weight on their bottom line and net interest margins. You saw Australian uh, uh, banks like CBA, for instance, flag um, rising pressures in the, in the mortgage business that really weighed on their, on, 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 on their bottom lines. But also you'll see here consumer discretionary and consumer staples among the biggest laggards out in Sydney because if we start to see rates go up, it could crimp on consumer spending and thus weigh on these two particular sectors, which happen to be the biggest laggards on the Australian markets this, uh, this Tuesday, as the RBA, much against many's expectations, did decide to hike rates to 4.1%. Back to you guys. Nice work, JP. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, I'm just looking at Aussie food inflation, which again, you know, you've been flagging up when you were there as well. It's currently running somewhere in the region of 8%, which is extraordinary. But some of the price increases are absolutely huge. Uh, a whole meal loaf in September 2016, uh, according to the copy I'm looking at, this is The Guardian actually, was one Aussie dollar fifty. Uh, April 2023, $2.70. So it's nearly doubled. Um, there's loads of this stuff out there as well. Huge increases. Uh, 250 grams of butter at Coles. Um, Which is one of the key supermarkets. Key supermarket. June 2018 was two Aussies uh, dollars 80. Now 4.30. I mean, wow. it just goes step on. Up, yeah. Huge step up. For, you know, 
these, these are people on normal incomes who are having to pay for this as well. It's all right for the top end, but this end, it's just unbelievable. So the unemployment rate is still relatively low, what, the 3.7%, which is what was clocked up in April. But apparently there's been a slow turning of the wheel. The labour shortages are starting to self-correct to an extent. So same features that you're really seeing in a lot of other economies, tight labour market, food prices going up. Uh, the international conditions, though, you know, this is an economy that still does rely a lot on China. And if you think about one of those growth drivers, China has not been firing on all cylinders. So that has taken a little bit of heat out of the economy to an extent. So I guess what happens from here? Does China grow a little bit faster? Do we get some extra stimulus out of China that supports the demand story and that also filters through to Australia? Or do we see a change in that narrative where we just don't get that strength out of China this time round? Um I will come back to this regards to the US, actually, in, in a short while, but I think we'll move on for now. But, but just to say that actually a lot of the price pressures, I don't know if you looked at the, the ISM data yesterday uh, and the PMI data as well, what's very interesting, price pressures were abating quite aggressively in terms of the expectations in the US as well. So I don't have an answer to your question about how much more they're going to increase in Australia, but I do know that power bills are up 30% so far on average with more increases to come in July. I know that mortgage costs, of course, after Mr Lowe's latest action are, are going through the roof. Plus, we mentioned food as well. It is stunningly tough out there. I think global supply chains had changed so much over the years that even places that could produce a lot of their own food were still importing as well. I mean, consumers wanted products out of season, right? We've gotten used to being able to buy what we want when we want it, which means that imports have become a large part of the food chain. And, you know, even in Croatia, you spend a lot of time eating what fish and what seems to be local vegetables. But still, same conversation over the weekend, that a lot of the food is imported too. And Australia, you think, grows a lot of its own food. So why are food prices going up at this point? Yeah, all good questions. Uh, talking of food, UK food spending growth came in at, well, what do you reckon? Did it say? No, it doesn't say. Uh, came in at more than double the rate of the wider retail spending basket. Sales up 9.6% on the year in May, according to new figures from the British Retail Consortium and KPMG. Non-food sales grow 0.7% in the period, though BRC figures aren't corrected for inflation, indicating shoppers actually bought less. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show weekdays on CNBC.